0: greenie with mike greenberg the podcast on a football friday greenie back and better than ever presented by progressive insurance guests on the shell Pinto performance line bunch of them today zach Lowe in just a few minutes on the nba playoffs and perhaps turmoil in boston field gates because yater's gonna yate halfway through this hour talk about the upcoming nfl weekend and then my buddy rc ryan clark off the top of the next hour that I mentioned were presented by Progressive Insurance and our guests are on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. If I did, then I'm happy to mention it a second time. But there's really only one question coming off of last night's Thursday night NFL weekend kickoff, and that is, do you feel better or worse about the Browns? And I will answer it for you. Yes. The answer is, I feel both. I feel better and I feel worse. I feel better because this team has a formula that it can use to win, and they have the right coach to do it. Kevin Stefanski wants to run the football, and they have the team to run the football. They have the line to do it, and they have the backs to do it. They have two excellent running backs. They have a former league-leading rusher as their backup in Kareem Hunt. They have Nick Chubb. They have probably two of the, I don't know, ten best running backs in the NFL? Probably better than that. Probably a smaller group than that. The Browns can run the ball with anybody in the NFL. And that is the formula for the to win. That's what the coach wants to do. And that's what this team is best suited to do. So in that regard, I feel much better. But here's why I feel worse. Because one of the reasons that's the way this team is best suited to win is because they're hiding their quarterback. If you watched that game last night and you emerged feeling better about Baker Mayfield... I'd love to hear from you, because to me, that was not the ticket. Baker Mayfield was the first pick in the NFL draft. Baker Mayfield is not a guy who you draft to believe that he's going to be You're going to hand it off and you're going to run the play action and get him out of the pocket and cut the field in half and just find ways to allow him to be a little bit effective. You don't draft a quarterback number one to do that. You draft him number one because some people were saying he was Drew Brees and other people were saying he was Russell Wilson. But I'm starting to believe he's neither of those. And anyone who has listened to me for years knows I've been this guy's biggest supporter. I believe in Baker Mayfield. But what I saw last night was a team and a coach that figured out he's not going to be the reason we win. Ask yourself the following question if you watched that game last night. Which quarterback looked more comfortable and in control of the game? The answer is Joe Burrow, who is on a far worse team. His team is, comparatively speaking, terrible. Actually, his team is terrible. They were the worst team in the league last year, which is why they had the first pick in the draft, which is why he's there now. But they're much better than they were a year ago, and he's the reason why. Because he's really good. Joe Burrow is the goods. And he looks totally comfortable and confident and in control against a better team, than Baker was facing in his second game coming four days after his first. He gets the quick turnaround immediately. And he looked in total control of that game through 61 passes last night and looked angry afterwards that his team lost. And I get it. And I love it. And I love him. So Cincinnati, you got yourself a special player. Joe Burrow is going to be great when they get the right pieces around that kid. They're going to be good. Cause he is good. Baker Mayfield I emerged with more questions last night than I did answers. They needed to win the game, and they won the game. I'm not selling that short. They lose last night, and all hell is breaking loose today. But I did not come out of that feeling any better about Baker Mayfield. I had Pat McAfee on Get Up With Me this morning. We talked about that. We talked about the recipe for Cleveland going forward. Listen to the way McAfee put it.
1: Obviously, you have Kareem Hunt and Chubb in the backfield, two of which have been leading rushers in the nfl at one point so i think with that type of offense being around baker it kind of opens him up a little bit more with the play action with a little bit more letting him not carry the burden of the entire team on his shoulders and i think that is why baker mayfield was successful last night and i think that is why baker mayfield could be successful moving forward
0: i think the team could be successful moving forward but not the quarterback And the quarterback did make the huge mistake in the scoring area with a chance to put the game away where all you need to do is not turn it over and he throws the bad pick. So I did not think last night was resume tape material for Baker Mayfield. And I do think it is the recipe going forward for the Browns. But the questions, I believe, will remain about the quarterback. And that's not the biggest question. Greeny with you. Straight Talk Wireless has the full-court cell phone coverage you need. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G for up to 50% less than the big carriers. Only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. The biggest question is not just the quarterback, but the biggest question is the dynamic of the quarterback and the receiver. I never thought I'd hear myself say I was excited to see Odell Beckham catch four passes for 74 yards. That used to be a quarter for Odell Beckham. He caught a 43-yard touchdown last night. And my friend Ryan Clark, who, again, will join us in the next hour and we'll talk with him about this, said that his presence was making a difference on the field, that, the, that Cincinnati was rolling their coverage to him, they had safeties on him all the time, that he is opening things up for them. So that's fine. I'm not suggesting Odell isn't still a great player, but I'm suggesting that this is a coach who is consistently apologizing to receivers because they don't like playing in his offense. Ask Adam Thielen how much fun Odell Beckham is going to have. Ask Stefan Diggs how much fun Odell Beckham is going to have. And if you think those guys could be difficult, meet Odell. Now, he's said all the right things, and I don't know that he isn't going to continue to. He may very well. But mark me down as someone who will be surprised if four catchers for 74 yards continues to make Odell happy. I get that he wants to win, that he's really never won in the NFL. He had one giant team that went to the playoffs. He got to Cleveland last year, and it was an unbridled disaster. So I believe that he will do whatever it takes to win. But at some point, they're going to have to unlock that combination. And it's going to have to be a lot more meaningful than four catches for 74 yards. Not because I think the team needs it, but because ultimately I think Odell is going to need it. Now, God bless him if he says, I don't care. I don't care how many balls I get. I don't care how many targets I get. I just want us to win. I believe him when he says that. I just don't know how long that lasts. Which means the questions about the possibility of trading Odell Beckham will continue. And rightfully so. It's an intriguing question. If you want to be a team that wants to run the ball with Chubb and Hunt and and ground and pound and win with a pretty good defense, although they didn't look very good last night, if you want to be that team, do you need Odell? You've got Jarvis Landry. Do you need Odell? Do you need to worry about whether or not he's going to be okay? I don't know the answer to that. I also don't know what you get for him at this point. What do you get for Odell in a trade? We asked Diana Russini, our insider this morning on Get Up, about the possibility of Odell Beckham being traded. And she said, as of right now, they're not making any calls. But that doesn't mean it's out of the question. Here's Diana.
1: But he is not one of those players in this league that is untradeable. Will the Cleveland Browns always be willing to listen to offers from other teams if they're interested in? Yes. This is not something that has been taken off the table despite the fact that we saw a performance last night with him and Baker Mayfield that could be absolutely magical if they can continue this through throughout the season.
0: Could it be? That's the question. Could this become magical? That's what we thought it was. We thought that the acquisition of Odell Beckham was going to do for Baker Mayfield what the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins seems to be doing for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray seems to have gone overnight from being a a dynamic young quarterback with all kinds of potential to an MVP candidate, and DeAndre Hopkins figures to be a big part of that. That's the jump we all expected Baker to make last year, and Odell should be that caliber of player. If last week DeAndre Hopkins had caught four passes for 74 yards, we wouldn't have been talking about it the way we do. So I don't think this is enough. I don't know that this is a dynamic combination, and I emerged last night with a lot of questions about the quarterback. Now, he still has time to answer them. As long as they win, they're not going to bench him. They're going to keep playing. I get Case Keenum. I gave you the background yesterday. Case Keenum, who was the backup, had one great season as a starter in the National Football League. One. And it was in Minnesota with Kevin Stefanski as his offensive coordinator. That was the year of the Minneapolis miracle. Keenan was great, and he parlayed it into a a free agent contract because they went out and they got uh, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Is Baker Mayfield better than that? He should be. He was the first pick in the draft. He'd better be better than that. But I'm not sure he's played better than that. I'm not 100% sure he looked better than that last night. I'd like to hear what you think. Use the hashtag Greeny on Twitter. I'd like to hear from you. One more thought on last night's game, and then we'll bring Zach Lowe into the conversation. And that thought is, once again, Joe Burrow is a stud. A stud. That kid just has it. LeBron tweeted it, and he's right. There's an indefinable quality that that player just has. He looks the part. He says all the right things. He acts the right way. He does everything the way the great quarterback does it. Now, great players have gone to bad situations and had it taken apart on them many times. See, Darnold, Sam. So that doesn't mean that Burrow will turn into a great player because things in Cincinnati have not been great in recent years. But they've got the offensive-minded coach. They'll put the pieces in place around him. They already have some. And he put 31 points on the board last night. He threw 61 passes and three touchdowns. So I think Joe Burrow is off to a great start. I thought he played well in his first game. This, remember, this is a, a rookie quarterback starting week one with no preseason, a truncated offseason, taking a lot of meetings at, by Zoom. But he walks into the league a man. He's not 20 years old. He's been around. So I, I think Joe Burrow was great. I, I, I think if, if I'm in Cincinnati today, I don't, know that there, I don't know that there's ever been a place that you could be sitting as a fan 0-2 and feel better than you feel right now. In Cincinnati, Greenie with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, inviting you, you can check out ESPN Audio at home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at home is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz vans are ready for anything.
2: The Miami Heat played zone defense almost
0: the entire second, second. half and erased a 17-point deficit. The Miami Heat are
1: up two games to none on the Celtics, a big comeback victory over Boston.
0: Boy, the Heat look awfully good. They are 10-1 in this postseason. They're up 2-0 on the Celtics in the East Conference Final, and here to talk about it on the Shell Penzoel Performance Line. Host of the Low Post podcast is my friend Zach Lowe. Hello, Zach. What's up, Greeny? Well, we're going to talk about that series in a minute. But first, your friend and mine, Mr. Woj, tweeted as I was on my way home from work today that they will announce this afternoon that Giannis Antetokounmpo has won the MVP award again for the second consecutive season. How did you vote, and how do you feel about him winning? I voted
3: for Giannis, so I feel obviously he deserves it. And that's no disrespect to LeBron, who had an incredible season, maybe the greatest season for a player his age ever. Um, but the statistical case for Giannis is, is pretty ironclad. And again, people forget, this is a regular season award. Even in voting for Giannis, I wrote, I don't think with the chips on the line in a game seven of the playoffs or a game one of the playoffs even, he's the best player. LeBron is still that. But regular season, 82 games, the production was ridiculous. He was the defensive player there. I thought he deserved that too. So I think he's a deserving winner, even though he's going to get clowned a little bit today for you know accepting from his home instead of from the bubble.
0: Okay, I get it, and I get that, that clowning is kind of just part and parcel of what we do, but he doesn't deserve that. His team lost to a team that nobody beats. The Miami Heat have not lost a game in regulation in the bubble. They're 10-1 and one in the playoffs. Their one loss was the overtime game four against Milwaukee, the game that Giannis got hurt, and the Bucks found a way to keep their season alive behind Chris Middleton. For people who haven't watched a lot of Miami this year, because they're not—they're not—, they're not they don't feel to me like they're one of the teams that's on TV all the time that people might see across the country. Are you surprised by what they've been and how have they been this good in these playoffs?
3: I, I am surprised. I mean, I, I was high on Miami to start the season. I did not expect them to beat the Bucks, even though I knew that was a good matchup. Um, what's really changed for Miami is, you know, all the attention is on Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and those guys are studs. I mean, they're stars. We knew they were stars. I think what's really happened is Goran Dragic is back to playing all-star, all-NBA level, the best level that he's ever had in his career. He's back there. Jay Crowder, who's like a career 34% shooter from three, is shooting 44% as a member of the Heat on like seven attempts a game. So remember, they tried to get Danilo Gallinari to be their killer stretch four. Well, they got that in Jay Crowder. I'm not sure they really expected that, uh, but they got it. And then Tyler Hero came back from the bubble, an even better, more polished player than he was before, so that's three of their top six guys, you know, after their first two who are performing way better or, or at least a little better than they were before. And that has, I think, lifted the heat to a level that no one, I, I'm not even sure they expected really to get to. I mean, they're 10 and one. Like you said, it's crazy.
0: Bam has become one of my favorite players to watch. Um, and I'm trying to decide who he is. Like I I love asking you these kinds of questions because your mind works kind of the same as mine. Who is Bam Adebayo? When have we seen him before?
3: Boy, that's a good one. I mean, he's a combination of a few different players, but I'm not sure I've seen a player quite like him before. Like He has a little bit of Draymond Green in him in terms of his ability to guard every position and pass and bring the ball up. But, I mean, this guy is like a, a Greek god. I mean, I wrote a big profile of Bam in the winter, and one of the things that the Heat people told me is, you know, our, our weight room in Miami is named after Alonzo Morning. He has every record in the weight room, every machine, every kind of lift you can do, Alonzo Morning has the record. Well, Bam looked at those records when he was a rookie and said, I'm getting those. Zoe, I'm coming for you. He's already got two of them, I think, either one or two, and he's getting close to others, and Spo told me, he is the strongest guy we've ever had in Miami period. And like, he's just his combination of speed size and strength is just, it's, I, I'm not sure there's an easy one that I can think of.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's got qualities. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Cause he has qualities of a variety of different players. Um, but I'm not sure exactly how it's ever come together in this package before. He's a unique star in the NBA of today. And he looks right now, well, he's at least halfway to leading his team to an NBA finals here against Boston, a Celtics team that might be imploding for those who didn't hear it. After the game last night, Armalika Andrews reported that there was a lot of shouting coming out of the Celtic locker room. Marcus Smart seemed to be involved in that. He walked out cursing. Things sounded like they were getting smashed in there as though people might have been throwing things around. So maybe just somewhat typical frustration after a tough loss. I do have some Jalen Brown sound. Let's hear a little bit of this. Jalen Brown when asked about how the frustration bubbled over in the locker room after the game.:
2: A lot of emotions flying around obviously we feel like we could have won you know should have won or and we didn't so just a lot of emotions flying around that's it
0: so what do you think zach does, does this what do you think the celtics need to do to get back in the series and do you think they can do it
3: uh i do think they can do it you know i mean our mem- our memories are very short um in, in discussing all of these things and like the celtics just had a 2-0 lead in a series and almost lost it down to the wire in game seven. Like 2-0 is not insurmountable. They're not going to Miami for games three and four. I mean, there's two obvious things they have to do. Number one, they need to figure out Miami's zone and how to get better looks against it. And if Gordon Hayward returns, whenever that would be, he will give them the kind of playmaker that really helps that. And number two, they can't let Bam Adebayo just parade for dunks six times in a quarter. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was it was a little too much Bam Adebayo dunking, so they've got to figure out that pick and roll. But they've been right in these games. I, I don't think the series is over.
0: Zach Lowe with me here on ESPN Radio on the West Coast, or I, I should not even know why I say it that way, because obviously these games are all being played uh, in the bubble in Orlando. But in the West Conference final, game one tonight, Denver and the Lakers. Uh, and I think there is a, a sense out there that the carpet has been rolled out perfectly for LeBron to carry his team to a championship here, resurrect the Lakers and get his fourth ring. Does it feel that way to you?
3: I mean, certainly, you know, the teams that we thought were the biggest obstacles are gone. And so in that sense, I I do think, you know, the A version of the Clippers, I think, is better than the A version of any team that's left in his way. But the Clippers didn't prove they could play that version of themselves in the bubble. Hardly ever, really, and certainly not against the Nuggets. But, you know, you look at these three teams, Denver's, Denver's qualifications are now insurmountable. Like, we know they're good. Miami, you just said it. No one's really beaten them in regulation the whole time. Boston, if they get Hayward back, I mean, that's a huge part of their team. All those semi-Ogile, Grant Williams, Romeo, Langford minutes suddenly go to a guy who very quietly averaged 18-7-5 this year. None of those teams are walkovers for the Lakers. So I don't think this is going to be easy, but I do think they are the favorite.
0: All right. And, and, um, and quickly, because I haven't had a chance to talk to you since, what do you think the fallout is from the Clippers' disappointment?
3: Well, I I don't know. I mean, I, I just I'm not sure really what they can do. I would be very surprised if they traded Paul George, which is the move that everyone is sort of clamoring for them to make or not clam. But that's the name that you keep hearing among fans and stuff. I don't necessarily think that's true. You know they got to figure out Montrezl Harrell's a free agent, Marcus Morris is a free agent, but it's not like they have a lot of. I mean, Oklahoma City owns all their draft picks basically in perpetuity. It's not like they got a lot of stuff they can trade. (laughs) So I just think it's a matter of we got to get back to brass tacks. We got to figure out what our identity is. Figure out how to build a little bit more chemistry in our second year together.
0: All right, Zach Lowe, enjoy the games this weekend. It is always fun catching up. I'll see you next week. My pleasure, Greeny. See you. Zack Zach Lowe, the Low Post Podcast, and I'll remind you, speaking of podcasts, that uh, today, on both the podcast for this show, which is called Greeny, and the Get Up Podcast, both of them have bonus football content on them, brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I make a few football picks on the back of the podcast's today. And uh, that's brought to you by DraftKings. You can check those out whenever you get a chance. Coming up next, I will tell you why the worst thing that happened to me week one of the NFL season had nothing to do with the Jets. Greeny, the podcast. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. So the Browns beat the Bengals last night in a game they needed. Week two is upon us. And I told you that despite what an incredibly depressing day I had as a fan in the NFL, the performance of my team last week was not the worst thing that happened to me in week one. So let me tell you what was. I'm in this fantasy league for IBM. I'll do a little name dropping here. My week one opponent is Eli Manning. And Eli Manning is making a very big deal of the fact that this is the first time he's ever played fantasy football because, of course, he was playing in the NFL up until the end of last season. So I'm his first week opponent. This is his first ever game of fantasy football, and I have him dead to rights. We go into the Monday night game. I am eight points behind him, and I have Saquon Barkley going. Saquon Barkley was the second pick in that draft. I had the second pick. Field Yates had the first pick. He took Christian McCaffrey. I took Saquon Barkley who wound up gaining six yards on 15 carries. And I lost to Eli Manning by two points. That was my week one heartbreak field Yates. What were the odds that Saquon Barkley was going to get shut down to that degree? You're the fantasy expert. What they did to him was impossible to believe.
1: Greeny. It was remarkable just how dominating that Steelers defensive front was. And Not that you necessarily uh, need to hear these stats again, but 15 carries last week from Saquon Barkley, he amassed a total of negative three yards before first contact on those 15 carries, which put differently means that on average, he was being met 0.2 yards behind the line of scrimmage. The Giants' offensive line was overwhelmed in a way that we may not see an offensive line be overwhelmed again this season, specifically in the running game. Taquan Barkley is a wonderful talent, and he still showed it on some snaps last week. He had a great reception on a screen pass where he hurdled a defender. As a runner last week, he was given absolutely nowhere to go. I don't know any running back that could have made a productive day out of the space he was given last Monday night.
0: They play the Bears this week. I'm not going to ask you if I should put Saquon Barkley on my bench because he's the second pick in the draft and it's the second week. But what, what do you expect? Well, what do you expect from that game? It's an interesting game in a lot of different ways. Trubisky and Daniel Jones. and What do you expect from that game?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I'll start with Saquon. I do expect a much more productive day. You saw last week the Lions, who signed Adrian Peterson, not even a week before week one he had 93 rushing yards. So they were able to find space against that Bears defensive front which for this season is without Eddie Goldman, their best defensive tackle who opted out, uh one of the many notable players that opted out of this season. Uh, but you're right, it is an interesting game because you know Mitch Trubisky is trying to rewrite the narrative surrounding his career. It may be that we're well past the point of that even really mattering, but he at least is fighting to keep his job not just week to week within the course of this season, but earn himself a contract. He's scheduled to be a free agent after this year. And think about how much momentum there was for Daniel Jones on that drive last week on Monday night against the Steelers. 19 plays. They're knocking on the doorstep of the end zone. And then he throws an inexcusable interception. He gets hit. The ball pops up into the air, and Cam Hayward comes down with it. It's two quarterbacks, Greeny, that have their obvious limitations, but two guys who are working hard, to sort of change perception of themselves and if they do uh you know i think daniel jones has a chance specifically to be a guy that actually carves out a very productive long career in new york
0: greeny and yates with you let's talk about another quarterback um who is trying to carve out a new narrative and uh, a new beginning and that's baker mayfield um whose team wins last night and i I seem to be getting some pushback and some comments I made to open the show today, but I won't prejudice your thoughts with that. What, what did you take away from Mayfield's comments, la- uh, excuse me, his performance last night?
1: So some encouraging signs, and specifically, Greeny, when you are a quarterback that has space and time, you have to make exactly what is in front of you. And the problem for Baker Mayfield, or one of the problems in not just week one, but also stretches of 2019, where he wasn't able to hit the easy stuff. And if you can't hit the easy stuff, you're not going to last in this league no matter whether you were drafted first overall or non-drafted entirely. Um, I thought that he was very effective on the run last night. I was encouraged by last night's performance. And I don't want to be a wet blanket here, but I don't think it's too much to ask to see this sustained over multiple weeks and against better competition, right? I mean, this was probably one of the more favorable defensive matchups he's going to have all year so I thought last night was kind of as expected it was a positive first step but I still want to see a lot more from Baker Mayfield and really the entire passing game of the Browns Odell Beckham had a beautiful 43-yard reception last night for a touchdown but I still want to see more I want that to be one of the best wide receiver quarterback uh, quarterback combos in the NFL every single week
0: like we all want to see that but maybe the reality of it is that the the best way the Browns can win games is as they did last night, running it for 215 yards. Now, if you're going to run it for 215 yards, you're going to win almost every week anyway. But but it feels like that coach and that team might be built to win best that way, and that does leave one wondering how long Odell Beckham is happy with nights where he has four catches for 74 yards and the team wins. How, how do you expect that thing to play out, and do you – There were some who were suggesting at this point that trading Odell might be the best thing for them to do. What do you think?
1: My question, Greeny, is how do we end the speculation and chatter surrounding Odell, right? Because this isn't the first time that since he has been traded to Cleveland, we have had the conversation about whether he should be traded or whether he would be traded by the Browns to a different team. No matter what the Browns have said, even no matter what Odell says himself, because there was a time... I believe it was right at the end of last season or shortly uh, into the off season. As you know, time is all relative right now, so I don't know specifically what date it was. But yeah. Odell said, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I, I want to be a big part of this place going forward. Hey, I want to be a Brown going forward. And yet here we are, some five months, six months later, and we're having the conversation again. I don't know how the conversation goes away absent this. If Odell takes off and becomes one of the three to five best wide receivers in the NFL and the Browns are winning, we don't have the conversation. But if that's not happening, it's going to continue to bubble up. I'm not saying the Browns have entertained trade offers, and I'm not saying that the Browns are motivated to trade Odell now or any point soon. But whether it's just because those within the league are watching Get Up or listening to Green or watching other ESPN programming, They're having the same questions. They're asking the same questions. You know, hey, you guys hear anything about Odell becoming available? You think it's real? You think it's not real? Other teams understand that uh, or they're asking the same questions that we are asking right now. So it may be that Cleveland does nothing, but I don't know how this, whether you want to call it looming issue or possibility is going to go away unless the Browns start waxing their opponents weekly and Odell's the best player on the field.
0: Now we'll see what happens. At least they get ten good days here, coming off a win. Thank you, Yates. Have a great weekend.
1: Right back to you, Greeny. Thank you.
0: All right, Field with me here on ESPN Radio. Right now, I'm asking you to call me. My number is eight eight eight. Say ESPN. Here's the theme for the calls today. I want you to give me an upset for this Sunday, and I want you to convince me it's going to happen.
2: Greeny, the
0: podcast.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around.
0: Splash! Shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, coming to you in a minute here on the phones at 888-SAY-ESPN with your upset picks because... That's what we do. We look at the point spreads. We consider it. Gambling has become a part of the conversation. And I again want to remind you of my new TV show. It's called Better Days. B-E-T-T-O-R Days. It's on ESPN+. The third episode came out yesterday. And I must say... While I love them all, I think this one is my favorite. And if you get a chance to watch it, if you just tweet using the hashtag Better Days, hashtag Better Days, B-E-T-T-O-R Days, I will see it and I will respond. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. I particularly love the episode that just dropped yesterday. In the meantime, it is now your turn to give me an upset. I'm coming to you on the phone here with your Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I want you to give me an underdog and tell me why you think they're going to win. First up is King Solomon. King Solomon. King Solomon, give me a winner and tell me why it's going to happen.
1: That's right, Greeny. I'm going with your hometown favorite, New York Jets this weekend. Seven points against the 49ers, man. I got a lot, a lot of confidence in your boy, Sam Darnold, that I love Jameson Crowder. I think he's going to run all over them. San Francisco looks like they're still sad from the Super Bowl loss. I don't think they have that motivation to win.
0: All right, King Solomon. Well, thank you for the call. I, I will tell you then just... In just a few moments before you called, uh, Jamison Crowder was ruled out for the game this weekend. He doesn't run over anyone. He's a receiver. Um, And listen, from your mouth to God's ears, if the Jets somehow found a way to beat the 49ers this weekend, if they cover the seven, I would be surprised. um, If the Jets... Listen, I'll just leave it. King Solomon, I'd love you to be right, and I'd love me to be wrong. Kyle, you're next up on ESPN. Give me an upset and tell me why it's going to happen.
3: Hey Greeny, uh, my upset is going to be the Patriots over Seattle. I think Seattle's 12 man is not really a big factor. Obviously, um, I think Cam with the options that he has, he's going to start using the screen game a lot more, or more, uh, more so than what they tried. Because I don't even think they really did right. any screens in the last game. But I think it's uh, I think they
0: have a pretty good chance.
3: Even though Russell is ridiculous, and he probably will end up being MVP this year.
0: I do like Russell for MVP. I appreciate the call. They're a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. The Patriots are at Seattle. I I, I like the call, but I'm looking for more confidence. Don't tell me they have a chance. I want you to call me and tell me that you have an underdog that is going to win and convince me who it is and why. Chris, you're next on with Greeny here. Who's your underdog? And tell me why they're going to win.
1: The Las Vegas Raiders are going to win over the Saints
0: by at least two points, and they're going to win
1: because... Michael Thomas is going to be off the field. Their main targets going to be Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders. We're going to be trashing them. Don't forget, it's in Josh Jacobs we trust. And Jared, Derek Carr is going to throw as many touchdowns as on his jersey. And the hype of the new stadium—they are going to win. They have to win. The Raiders are going to win.
0: Six-point underdogs at home. Come here, agree. I I don't agree, but I appreciate the call. They're a six-point dog. Um, Diana Rossini told me today that the Saints are now more optimistic that Thomas will play. Now, how healthy he'll be, we'll see. It's a high ankle sprain. Those usually are like a month. He sounds like he's going to come back and play in eight days. It's an interesting pick. I really don't know what to make of the Raiders. I, I think that the team they beat last week is a bad team. I think the Panthers are a bad team, and that was a close game. So... My gut feeling is that New Orleans wins that game. Whether they cover the six or not is a different conversation. Monday night, first game in the new building, although I don't know what that's even going to be without the fans there. I like the Saints in that, but I like the pick, and I like the confidence with which you said it. DeMarie is next on ESPN Radio. Give me a winner, DeMarie, and tell me why it's going to happen.
1: So I got the Lions beating the Packers. And know, I'm not a Lions fan or a Packers fan. It's just my sleeper pick. And I also picked the Lions as my favorite pick to make the playoffs this year because I'm a firm believer in Matthew Stafford. And I believe, you know, the pickup of them picking up Adrian Peterson like a week before the season, and he rushed for like 93 yards last last week, I think that they're going to have a good running game, and they're going to establish a great passing game. And it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I think Matthew Stafford pulls through.
0: Here's what I'll tell you. I appreciate the call. I do like the Lions plus the six-and-a-half. And if you were listening to the show in the buildup to week one, I do like the lions and I think they have a chance to play meaningful games through the season, but that's a brutal loss to Chicago last week. You let Mitchell Trubisky score three touchdowns to beat you in the fourth quarter. And to make matters worse, you drop a sure touchdown that would have won it anyway at the very end. That was a terrible game to lose. If you're the lions, Uh, let's see. I got Henry. I got 30 seconds for you. Give me a quick winner and tell me why it's going to happen.
3: Okay, man. Uh, Chargers over Chiefs. This is why, man, Patrick Mahomes' only loss in the AFC West is to the Chargers. Second of all, uh, the Chiefs have re- uh, allowed more uh, re- receiving yards by a running back than any other team since 2019, and the Chargers throughout the backfield. Last reason, first home game, L.A., why not?
0: Okay, I like it. So th- they'd be getting Austin Eckler heavily involved. Let me find that. I'm looking for the line on that game. Uh, where is it? Chiefs charges Kansas City an eight and a half point favorite we'll see what happens that's your straight talk straight talk wireless no contract no compromise thank you for the picks I like hearing it I like hearing some of the confidence Ryan Clark will join me next what did he see in Baker Mayfield and should Odell get traded he's got answers Greeny ESPN radio thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast You can get more from Greeny live
1: weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the
3: podcast.